How dangerous are things on the other side? The land of spirits and ghosts and demons, as some say. Is there a danger there? Do they hold any power on our side? On today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online, one may be led to believe that. We hear the story of a bride on her wedding night, burning to death in the beautiful hall that her and her fiancé rented for that special occasion, a hall that will forever be remembered for the burning bride. Also, playing with a Ouija board, doing a bit more taunting than asking, results in one man being physically scarred for life by something very dark. It's both unknown and unseen from the other side. Those stories and more today in EPP bonus episode number 435 of Real Ghost Stories Online. My name is Tony Bruschi. Stay with us. old buildings and structures inevitably well any of us who are listening to this show our minds go to ghost stories we don't go to oh um it's just another building no we we're, we're thinking the history we're, we're running that through our mind what happened here who had a wedding in this ballroom what was it like what what sort of things has this building seen what about the disastrous fire that ripped through the building one day and burned a bride alive. Well, that may not be something that goes through a lot of our minds in a lot of these locations, but in our next story, it's exactly what actually happened in the very ballroom there, having a party in. Sounds like a lovely setting, right? The place you want to put a big plaque up going, the bride who burned alive in this room, enjoy your night. You know, that's that, probably not appropriate, but it's a creepy story. of A bride came back. Take a listen. I grew up in a small town called Cunyant Lake, Pennsylvania. Population no more than 800 people at most, and that's including some of the other surrounding villages. The town surrounds a lake that was made by a glacier millions of years ago. And it's supposedly the biggest glacier made lake in Pennsylvania, resulting in many prehistoric fish still being caught to this day. On the arch of the lake overlooking the water is a hotel that was included in an 1800s attraction called Cunningham Lake Park. Back in the day, it was one of the bigger attractions. People from states over would come to visit, enjoy the rides, dance to the massive ballroom where I can Envision wine and champagne was served and glasses while elegantly dressed women twirled and danced to the sound of the dusty organ that sat in the corner with the once beautiful marble floors. That is, until it was burned down in February of 2008, which the movie The Road was filmed in almost immediately after the fire, leading my small town to believe it was arson. But after all these years... The Cunningham Hotel still stands in the corner of the park. Over the years, the hotel has seen the changes of the community that surrounds it and has even seen me grown up over the years. 
April 27, 1943, there was a wedding of a young couple, Elizabeth and her husband. Both excited to start a new life and having their whole future ahead of them after the marriage, they proceeded to check into room 321 at the hotel. Still in a suit and tie, and Elizabeth in her beautiful white gown, her hair down in elegant strands with a faint smell of jasmine emanating from her neckline. Later that night, a heavy storm with thick, billowing clouds sweeping over the lake. Lightning strikes. Up the sky, thunder shook the tiny houses surrounding the water as it approached ever faster to the hotel. When the ominous clouds reached the hotel, a lightning bolt struck the roof of the hotel, igniting a fire that spread, engulfing a section of the hotel in what I assume what felt like seconds. Elizabeth's husband, on the way back to the room, was caught in the mass hysteria of people running past trying to escape the smoke and flames licking their heels. Assuming his bride was already outside, he went rushing out to find her and comfort her, but as he ran outside and began his search, little did he know that his bride was inside, still in her beautiful white dress, panicking and searching the hotel's rooms, screaming his name over the sounds of the flames and smoke. Becoming trapped in the hotel, Elizabeth, unable to see through the smoke, having sections of her once beautiful dress burnt, torn, and covered with ash, quickly perished in the blaze. Years later, the hotel still stands. Watch small changes in my tiny hometown over the years, good and bad, still stands. The stories I want to tell you regarding the hotel and ballroom are of my own personal experiences growing up. I want to start with my most recent ones. And work my work my way back. Back in my senior year of high school, during prom, I remember all of us dancing in the ballroom at this hotel. At the time, the previous classmate's mother owned at the time, before I assumed it was resold again. My date and I decided to leave the dance a little early. My excuse was because I wanted Taco Bell in my beautiful prom dress. But in all reality, the floor wasn't made to withstand a senior and junior prom. You could literally feel the floor pitch and wave under your feet and see one side of the room higher than the other. Granted, at that age, not many of us had common sense, but personally, just because someone affiliated with the hotel said, sure, it's going to be just fine, I was not about to take their word for it. So we left. As we were walking out of my dad's car, we stopped to look back at the hotel for a brief moment. On the second floor, we saw a single light lit coming from a window. I turned to my date and said, I thought they weren't authorizing any room rentals for tonight. As we both gazed up at the single lit room, he said, not moving his eyes from the window either, maybe it's just the new hotel's owner's daughter. You know, she uh, lets her get away with murder anyway. As soon as he said that, I shit you not, a thin female figure seemed to fade into the light, creating an outline. Thinking it was our classmate, we began to yell at the window, Hey, Danielle! Don't be silly. Wrap his willy. Trying to be funny, but the next thing we heard sounded like a shotgun. Just a large boom. And the light from the window was gone. At first we thought maybe the floor fell through or at least a section of it or maybe a fuse blew, but the sound of music and giggling continued. They weren't even a quarter mile away from the hotel. Very sure there would have been screams, some form of panic, but nothing. Without really saying another word, we quickly went to my dad's car and left. Not really saying another word about it, just because we weren't sure what happened. And at the time, I really didn't want to freak out my date and what was supposed to be a very special night. 
The following years earlier in ninth grade, I was elected to be on prom committee where we helped decorate, fundraise for the prom. Anyone on the committee was allowed to go to the prom as well. Not really dressing up or anything, but at the time it was cool to hang out with the, at the time we considered older kids. So if you got elected, you busted ass so you could go to prom. For one morning, we were all given written excuses stating that decorating for the prom would be considered attendance for the day, which was awesome. So we all went to the hotel to decorate. Towards the end of the day, around 3 p.m., me and another friend of mine went to go explore the hotel. I've never been to more than the wraparound porch and the ballroom, so we went exploring. We went to creepy, unorganized cellar areas with rooms some used as storage, open pipes, under-refurbished rooms that looked like they hadn't been touched since the early 1900s. The red light peering down from the ceiling, making it look all the more ominous, especially being in the basement. That's when my friend and I got the bright idea of, hey, let's go find Elizabeth's room. So we began back upstairs, silently walking past the open entrance ballroom area and jetting upstairs, only stopping for a moment to take a picture with my state-of-the-art flip phone of the staircase. We searched and searched till we stopped dead in the track, staring at a door with big metal hanging letters that read, three, two, one. A little bit of anxiousness, I looked over at my friend and said, here goes nothing, and opened the door. What sat in this tiny room was a small bed and vanity. The bed had a floral comforter with a blue background, and the vanity had an old feel to it, wooden swirls encasing a large oval mirror. The wood was painted a turquoise color and had started to show its age with flaking paint showing around the rim of the mirror, looking at a small window with white drapes being pushed by the wind. Noticing the window was open, I wondered how this room was not available for guests and housekeeping. Didn't show up at all that day. I remember looking through the window. I was able to see my old babysitter's house from the doorway, wanting to walk in and touch the bed, maybe look out the window and see all the neighboring houses below. I had a strong feeling in my stomach that I shouldn't. As soon as I felt this strong warning subconsciously wash over me, my friend whispered in my ear, maybe we should go. Without another word, I took two steps back, quietly shutting the door, turning to my friend, where we speed walked away, both not wanting to admit we felt something, whatever it was. Later that afternoon on the ride back to the school, we decided to look at all the silly pictures I took that day on my phone. I took it out, a group of my friends began to gather around, making comments, poking fun, and just being silly teenagers. Then we got to one of the staircases. In the middle of this picture was a huge white orb hovering, hovering over the third step. My friend and I both sat a little astonished over what we saw. Till this day, I still have this picture on my old flip phone up in Pennsylvania. I just couldn't bring myself to delete it. Now to my last two stories. Back when I was a child, probably around the age of eight or nine, my dad was at the park on standby. He was and still is an EMT, so this kept him fairly busy, especially in the summer and early fall months. I remember begging him if me and my cousin could come with him. He promised to stay close and out of trouble, which was only half true, but he finally said yes. When we finally got to the park, he told us to have fun and to come right back if he called for us. So being kids, the first thing we did was try to find mischief. In our way to the ballroom, climbing the stairs to the second floor, we walked into a large room with marble floors and an old dusty organ that sat in the corner. 
My cousin and I were drawn to the open space and the mysterious machine that made noise, so it was a perfect combination for our kids our age. Together, we managed to push the wooden cover off of the keys for the keyboard and began to play with the keys, saying if it was making noise, and if so, what kind. My cousin sat at the organ pretending to play like an artist at Carnegie Hall as I spun around on the dusty floors dancing. In the middle of what I would call a flying ninja dancer kick at the age, I noticed an older man around his early to mid-fifties just standing there in the middle of the room. I stopped in horror thinking, oh God, we are really in trouble now. The man just smiled, making eye contact with me as I turned my head slightly over my shoulder to yell at my cousin, Andy, stop! Agitated, she yelled back, what? Pinning her head and looking at me. She froze, seeing the other adult just standing there looking at us. For a moment, that felt like 10 minutes. Just waited for him to start yelling at us, something along the lines of, hey, what are you kids doing up here? Or even worse, where are your parents? But he didn't. He simply smiled, told us we didn't have to stop. He normally came here every afternoon to practice his waltz. He would be more than happy with some company. Being a little strange, my cousin and I continued to play and run around while this old man danced by himself, holding an invisible dance partner. And close to 30 minutes later, he stopped and said to both of us, Girls, which was fun, but you and I must be going now or we will both get in trouble. We both persisted telling him, no, we won't. We aren't doing anything bad at all. At that moment, he nodded and told us okay, headed for the stairs, wishing us good day as he walked through the door. That wraps up the preview portion of this week's EPP bonus episode of Real Ghost Stories Online in part two, find out the dramatic conclusion of the stay at the hotel where the bride burned to death. Also, a man traumatized, physically scarred, taunting his spirit through a Ouija board. That and more in part two. To hear it, become a supporter, an extra podcast person of Real Ghost Stories Online. With that, you'll get access to all 435 of our bonus episodes in their entirety. New ones every single week for you, always commercial free. Get access to our advanced episodes, all commercial free. The archive, the world's largest audio archive of ghost stories, to be exact. You get that as well, all commercial free as well to get it sign up to be an extra podcast person try it for three days free even through apple podcasts right now go check that out or patreon if you're not an apple podcast patreon.com slash real ghost stories or or you can go to our website directly at ghostpodcast.com and sign up there to get access to all of the extras and help keep real ghost stories online on the air thanks for your support 